0: Today is Mother's Day, and we're going to celebrate the best we can with a message entitled Five Character Qualities for Rising to Your Challenges, because if anybody has challenges, it's moms each and every day. Now, I've always had an issue with Mother's Day uh, since becoming a pastor. It's hard to find a Mother's Day sermon to preach every year on Mother's Day. And it's not that I don't like Mother's Day, I do, but it's just it's hard to communicate something fresh every year. So sometimes we do a special Mother's Day message, sometimes we don't. We just stick with our our text that we're studying through. But I think sometimes it's hard on Mother's Day because it can be a very happy, joyous celebration, but it can also tend to be a very sad and somber, a day of pain and grief for some people. Not everybody looks forward to Mother's Day. Uh, maybe you've recently lost your mother. Maybe you've experienced the pain of that loss. Maybe you've lost a child. Uh, maybe your heart grieves on this Mother's Day. Uh, maybe you have difficulties with your own physical mother. Uh, your mother maybe wasn't the ideal mother that we like to preach about. And maybe you have bad memories of your mom. Maybe you've had some guilt feelings about your motherhood, or maybe you have children issues, problems, or marriage problems. Maybe you've never even been able to have children. And so Mother's Day isn't a joyous occasion for you. Maybe you've never had a real mother. Possibly you were raised in a, in a foster home or foster care by relatives or something like that. Maybe today you're a single mom and you're struggling with being a good mother to your children. See, not every home is like the Cleavers, if you remember that, or the Brady Bunch for that matter, or Fathers knows, Father Knows Best. Or a real old one, the Ozzy and Harriet Nelson family. I mean, maybe your home is more like the Ozzy Osborne family than the Ozzy Nelson family. I don't know. But I have to say, some of you probably were raised in good Christian homes, and you may have wonderful parents, and today is a joyful day, and you're thankful for that. Uh, We thank God for you, and, and you should thank God too, amen? That's just a wonderful blessing to be raised by Christian parents. Well, today I wanna encourage each of you, especially the mothers, but it's gonna be an encouraging message for all of us here. Each of us has been affected by motherhood in one way or another, either for good or for bad. Because everyone either has a mother, had a mother, <laughs> or is a mother, or maybe is married to a mother, or at least knows a mother. See, motherhood has affected you in one way or another. And so I have a message for all of us today. Um, Read a little illustration of the images of mother from their children. Four years old. My mommy can do anything. Eight years old. My mommy sure knows a lot, a whole lot. Twelve years old. My mother doesn't really quite know everything. Fourteen years old. Naturally, mother doesn't know that either. Sixteen years old. Mother? She's hopelessly old-fashioned, 18 years old. That old woman, (laughs) she's so far out of date, 25 years old. Well, she might know a little bit about that, 35 years old. Before we decide, let's get mom's opinion, 45 years old. I wonder what mom would have thought about it, 65 years old wish I could talk it over with mom. And so at the start, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking the challenges of motherhood. And this morning, we're going to talk about rising to your challenges. We all have challenges, but especially moms. And this is for mothers, but it's also for the rest of us. And we're zeroing in today on a biblical portrait of an individual named Deborah In the Old Testament, from Judges chapter 4 and 5, you can turn there, Judges chapter 4 and 5, we'll be reading uh, chapter 4, and then looking at some of the verses in chapter 5. So turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 4, and I'll read this account of Deborah, the judge to Israel for us. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagoim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. For he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now Deborah, prophetess the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah near Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and she summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. A said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up at his heels. And Deborah went up with him. Now Heber, the Kenite, had separated from the Kenites and the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak of Zanammon, which is near Kadesh. When Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him, from Herosheth Hagelom to the river Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went up from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Heresheth Hegum, And all the army of Sisera fell at the edge of the sword. Not one man was left. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the house of Hebor the Kenite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into her tent. And she covered him up with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened up a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, is anyone here, say no. But Jael, the wife of Hebor, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from his weariness. So he died. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera dead, with a pent teg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, Before the people of Israel and the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for this story of Deborah and her courage and her leadership, not just physically, but spiritually for the nation of Israel. And Lord, we pray as we look at these five characteristics. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would apply them to our lives. We pray that you would make them applicable for the women who are mothers here. These five character qualities for rising to our challenges. I pray, Lord, that you would apply them in a way that only you, you can. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, to understand this more fully, we need to give a little... biography of who Deborah was. And to understand her accurately, we have to know something about the background and the times in which she lived. So let's begin with the times in which she lived. Her public life was about midpoint between Moses leading Israel out of Egypt and Saul becoming their first king. So right between those two events, Moses leading Israel out of Egypt and Saul becoming their first king, That's when Deborah uh, was a judge. And during the period after Moses' successor Joshua until King Saul, Israel's spiritual life was up and down constantly with more downs than ups, you might say. And chapters 2, verses 11 to 19 show us these cycles in Judges. And it tells us there, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. So they did this continually. And it says they abandoned the Lord and served the, the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunder, who plundered them. And he sold them into the land of their surrounding enemies, so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm. As the Lord had warned, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress, says, then the Lord, in verse 16, the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. And Deborah was one of these judges. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commands of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved by to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. And so we see this cycle continually in the nation of Israel. They would cry out, God would deliver them, and then once again they would go back and they would depart from God and they would worship man-made gods. And one of the nations around them would come in and oppress them. The Lord would allow that. And the people would call out for help again, and God would raise up one of these judges to free them. And it was just this vicious cycle. And it would repeat time and time and time again. And the character of those people, we read it there, every man was doing right what was in his own eyes. So it was just kind of a free-for-all. And Deborah was one of these 13 judges that God used In this period. Now, judges could be military leaders. They led the people into battle uh, against their enemies at times, uh, leading to God's deliverance. Um, They were civic leaders, these judges were uh, providing direction and settling disputes. It said that she went out and sat under the tree there, and the people would come to her, and she would judge if you had a problem with your neighbor or whatever. That's what the judges did. But Deborah, in particular, was also a spiritual leader, and she was there to bring God's word to the people, and she continually called out to them to trust him. So with that background, we're ready to move on into some of the new, some some highlights from her life and her ministry. Well, we we meet her here in chapter four as it opens, and it it tells us about about Deborah. We just read that. the people had once again turned from God to evil. I mean, you think they'd learn a lesson, but they just don't. And it says that God sold them in the text there. He handed them over to the, the dominant Canaanites in the area. And so the, the Canaanites were raised up by God, really, to, to discipline Israel. And it says they were sold. That word sold was used in business for transferring ownership of property, including slaves by the way. And so this is the only way God could really help these people understand what they were doing. And again, when they were oppressed, these people called out to God and he graciously raised up a judge to deliver them. But this time God provided the unusual remedy in a very unusual way. Because this judge was a woman. She was a wife. She was a mother, but this time it was different. Um, Let's briefly survey her actions in this crisis. God gave her directions, and you know what? She followed them. She called on General Barak and gave him God's marching orders to gather 10,000 men at Mount Tabor, And, and God's plan was, you know, you go, and be ready. I'll draw out the enemy forces out into the open, and I'm going to give you the victory. This is what God promised. Well, how did the general respond? We look at the text there in verse 8. It says, well, if you go with me, judge, I'll go. But if you're not going to go with me, I'm not going to go. I mean, what do you make of that? Listen to that. Well, Deborah's response to the general helps us understand a little bit about Deborah. Verse 9, and she said, I will surely go with you. Talk about bravery. I mean, this is not a a man judge, this is a woman judge. And her general saying, hey, I'm not going to go out into battle unless you come with me. She says, nevertheless, the road on which you were going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Because he was reluctant, God made sure that he would not get the honor, Barak, her, her general. He, he didn't want to go. He, he was hesitating for some reason. Some people suggest that he was fearful. That's probably doubtful because he was a general. I mean, you don't get to that state um, by being a coward. Others suggest he simply wanted God's judge to go with him for counsel. Whatever the, the reason was, he wouldn't go unless she went. So they proceeded following God's plan. And when God drew out the opposing General Sisera and his army, Deborah told her general, okay, you know what? It's time to go. And verses 14 to 16 here describe the total victory God gave Israel. As this was being completed, though, God's earlier word through Deborah came about. Remember, uh, General Sisera finds refuge in the tent of a man who is his ally. He was friends with this guy. And Jael, the lady of the home, offered him refuge, saw him running away from the battle, trying to escape, because surely they would kill him. And she offered him a place to hide. And we read that. And so after he fell asleep, um, this is kind of gruesome, but she takes a pent stake and she basically lines it up right over his temple and one blow right through his head into the ground, it says. So he definitely was not going to get back up. He died and so the honor of killing Sisera didn't go to General Barak but it went to this woman just as the judge said. And in the victory song of praise in chapter 5, that's what chapter 5 is, it's kind of a celebration of the victory, uh, Deborah and Barak sing, most blessed of women is Jael. So they were celebrating her uh, because of what she did against um, this foe that they were fighting. And after the battle of victory and celebration, the the record closes with, all the way down in verse 31, the land had rest for 40 years. So this is all a result of of Deborah's character, of Deborah's willingness, a woman, to be obedient to God. And back then, this was an uncommon thing. Usually the judges were men. But God raised up Deborah, and she was obedient. So I want to look at Five qualities that we see here in Deborah's character. And uh, with that as our background, let's look at these five qualities of Deborah's character. Really, you could say five qualities of a mother or a woman in general, or really of any person who wishes to rise to their challenges in a way that pleases God. Well, the first thing here in our outline, the first quality is that she kept in touch with God. See, Deborah was a judge, but also verse 4 And the text tells us that she was what? A prophetess. So most of a a prophet's work was teaching God's truth. So she clearly had a strong grip of God's word. And the smaller part, which is the one which uh, generally gets most of our attention, was used by God to declare things to come into the future. Sometimes when we think of a prophet, we think of somebody saying something that's going to happen, prophesying. Well, today that gift no longer exists. We believe the gift of prophet is those who stand up and, and tell forth the word of God, exhort the word of God. Uh, back then, though, there was the, the lesser gift of being able to prophesy what was going to happen. And we saw that where she told the general, hey, you're not going to get any glory for this. I don't know how this is going to work, but uh, Sisera is going to fall into the fall by the hand of a woman. And so God was giving her divine revelation there, and she was prophesying there in the text. But it was a serious matter to say that you were speaking for God in the Old Testament. Um, Matter of fact, it was so serious, if something you said was not accurate, the Word of God says that you were to be ordered to fall under the death penalty for anything that was less than 100% accurate. So if you were claiming to be a prophet of God and say you had 10 prophecies and you got seven of the 10 right, well, we may think that's doing pretty good, but not according to God's standards. God said, you know what, you'll know a legitimate prophet when they are 100% on target without exception. And that's the problem I have with so many of these people today in the modern, day church that are saying, oh, I'm a prophet. And they list off this myriad of things every January 1 as we come into the new year. They list off all these prophecies, declare all these things are going to happen. And maybe they get one or two right because they're so general, you know, in their, in their prophecies. It's bound something's going to happen to fall into one of the categories. But then they say, oh, look at what I said back here. You know, they don't tell you the the 10 or 15 other things that they prophesied that didn't come true. Well, see, according to God's economy, unless you're 100% right, you're a false prophet and you deserve death. So this was a very serious role that Deborah was playing. And the prophecy did not come to Deborah from God out of the blue or just because she had become a judge. It came by God's choice through her ongoing relationship with him. It's not like Deborah didn't have any relationship with God and all of a sudden, boy, whoa, I I don't know why this is, but this general is going to fall by the hand of a woman. You know, it just didn't come out. She kept in touch with God clearly. And see, and that's how God moves and works in our lives as well. He moves and works through his word and our relationship with him each and every day. Uh, That's why it's so important to stay in Tune with God each and every day. Don't just rely on somebody's sermon once a week to plug in and recharge your batteries. You should be reading your Bibles each and every day, studying them, asking God to apply his truth to your life. Well, a mom who rises to her challenges, first of all, keeps in touch with God. And this goes far beyond the area of speaking for God. It touches every aspect of who you are and what you do if you think about that. There's an old chorus the church used to sing, I keep in touch with Jesus and he keeps in touch with me. And so we walk together in perfect harmony. See, keeping in touch with God is vital. It's vital. It includes conscious awareness of God. Conscious awareness of his truth, his values, consistent prayer, speaking, listening to God through his word, as well as obedience. All those things help us keep in touch with God as Deborah did. So that's the first thing. The first quality is keeping in touch with God. Secondly quality I see here in Deborah was what, that she had faith to act when God spoke. She had faith to act when God spoke. How did she respond when God called her to be a judge? You know, God, sorry, man, I got, I got all these other things I got to do. I know you must, you know, want my husband uh, because I'm a woman. There's never been a, a judge who's a woman. He's not here right now. He's out, out working somewhere. He, she didn't say that. She didn't say to herself, Oh, come on, come on, Deb, snap out of it. This is not the time for daydreaming. That's a wild imagination. She didn't snap back at God and say, Hey, God, this isn't the way they do this. What are you thinking? She didn't respond in any one of those ways. We really don't know how she responded. We don't know how she, in her thought process, we don't know how she, uh, we don't have a record of her thoughts when God called her. But we do know this, that she stepped out in faith and she did what God told her to do. By faith, she obeyed God. See, that's what God expects from us. And then think about God's plan to deliver Israel. She could have said, you know, who am I? Who am I, God? I'm supposed to call General Barak and give him these orders? And then think about the story when General Barak insisted that she go with him. I mean, she could have said, hey, that's not, my, uh, that's not under my purview there, General. That's yours. That's a military operation. You're the military leader. Go on your own. Or it's not my role. It's not proper for women to go into to battle with the troops. Or don't be superstitious, General. You can do the the job without me. You don't need the judge there. After all, God has promised to give you the victory. Or she could have simply said, Look, I'm a judge. I have people lining up, I have disputes I have to settle here. I don't have time to go with you. Not to mention the cooking and the cleaning and looking after my children. My plate's full. I mean, she could have responded that way, but she didn't. And when God told her that it was time to begin the battle, she once again, by faith, believed him. And what did she do? She told her general, General Barak, to attack. A mom who rises to her challenges in an effective, God-pleasing way has this kind of character, faith to act when God speaks. Let me ask you, is that part of your character? When God gives you maybe some insights from the word, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of something, that it's not the way it should be or prompts you to do something, do you act on that trusting him? See, when you obey God in faith, you bring joy to his heart and also to the believers around you for that matter. The Apostle John wrote in Third John verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in what? Truth. In truth. So it's important that we see here the first quality, she kept in touch with God. Secondly, she had faith to act when God spoke. But let's look at this third quality. The third aspect of Deborah's character here was having Understanding and compassion. Understanding and compassion. I mean, think about her role here. And this incident here pictures this so clearly. Deborah, the judge, told General Barak God's plan, told him everything, and said, look, you need to prepare your troops for battle. But what happened? The general was reluctant. He was dragging his feet. She could have tried to guilt him into doing it, Maybe reached over and tore off a couple stripes and said, hey, you're no longer a general. Give him the ultimatum. Either you do what I say or I will replace you. Or even she could have replaced him on the spot, not having confidence in someone like that. But her response shows both understanding and compassion. She displayed understanding. She understood Barak really didn't have faith in God's word about this. He didn't have that solid understanding that she had. And she was also, and she also understood that because of this, God was going to withhold honor of victory from him. So she she understood the the circumstances a little clearer than Barak did. And because of that, she had compassion. She displays that. The combination of understanding and compassion is much like the combination of truth and love. You know, you can have all the truth you want on your side, but if you don't have love, as we've been talking about in our study through 1 Corinthians, you don't have anything. See, Deborah, like everyone in Israel, knew they had not been able to defeat Jabin's forces. They haven't been able to do it. And so what's the difference going to be this time? The general knew it, she knew it, everybody knew it. She knew the general was reluctant to go without her. So what did she do? She chose to have compassion. Ask yourself this question, do we display essential, this essential and beautiful combination of understanding and compassion? You know, I have to be honest, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I think we could all say that. Sometimes we talk about heart people and head people, those who respond mainly from their hearts or their feelings. And then you have on the other side, you have people who respond mainly from their understanding or their, their analytical abilities. See, the, you have to balance both of those qualities. And although we all have a different balance of those, all of us need to live out both, to live with understanding and compassion. You can't have one without the other, or you're imbalanced. So you see here that her character was having understanding and compassion. The fourth quality of Deborah's character was that she gave praise to God. And this is where we didn't have time to read it, but you can read it on your own. Chapter 5, Judges chapter 5. It's really a, the song of Deborah. It's a song of victory. It's a song of praise. It, it says so much in verse 1 of chapter 5, Judges. Then Deborah sang in Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day. And so they were singing a song of praise because of the victory that God gave them. It was primarily a song of victory. In verse 3, we see this at the beginning where she praises God for the people following him. She says there in verse 3 of chapter 5, Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. To the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. And you see it all the way at the end in verse 31. So... May all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. It was also a song of praise to God for the people doing their part. For the people doing their part. She, she sings praise to God for the volunteers, for the leaders, for the commanders. She even praised God for the woman's role, JL's role in the victory. She praised God for Barak's role in verses 7 to 12, her own role. See, people who rise to challenges they face are people who praise God. You can't take the credit for yourself. To be sure, few things in our lives are as dramatic as these events of Judges 4. But you know what God provides for us? He protects us. He guides. He delivers us. Each and every day of our lives. Are you filled with that overflowing praise to him? Is that part of who you are? Or are you just constantly griping about life? Well, the last thing here we see in Deborah was that she was an instrument of peace. She was an instrument of peace. See, part of Deborah's ministry as a a judge was to do just that. Listen to complaints, listen to problems, conflicts, disputes. And she had to determine as a judge who was right and who was wrong. And she would issue appropriate remedies for the situation. And all of that, her purpose was to restore what? Peace and unity. To restore peace and unity. Day after day, week after week, for her 40 years as a judge, she began with people who disagreed with each other. That'd be kind of depressing or didn't like each other, or didn't respect each other. And what did she do? Her role was to work, it about, work around the situation to bring about peace. I mean, peace in the Old Testament, remember, peace in the Old Testament refers to wholeness. It refers to health, well-being, harmony. And being a peacemaker never has been easy. I mean, I'm sure that there were times in Deborah's life where people on all sides of her were upset. And here she is trying to bring them together, and yet she persisted for that long of a time. Being an instrument of peace was really part of her character, was part of who she was. I remember as a youth pastor, occasionally a young person would get saved, and they would get discouraged when they would go to their their home because their home was basically an unchristian home. Their parents weren't Christians, their siblings weren't Christians. And so they were constantly forced to do things that possibly would dishonor God. And a lot of times it would lead to tension in the home. And I would always tell these young people look, just be a peacemaker in your home. Just be a peacemaker. Strive to be live peaceably with your parents, even though they're not believers. You know, if they tell you to take the trash out. Take the trash out. Don't wait five minutes. Do it right away. Be a good example. And that's what Jesus told us to do. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And Paul himself in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, he urges us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, What's it say? Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. See, this is a peace that already exists. We're to preserve it. And then even in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with who? All men. Wow. All men? Yep. All men. Deborah is a good model for all of us. She was an instrument of God's peace. Deborah was a woman. She was a mother who rose to her challenges effectively. And it pleased God because she kept, first of all, in touch with him. Secondly, she had that faith to act when God spoke. Thirdly, she was understanding and compassionate The fourth quality we said was that she gave praise to God. She didn't take it all for herself. Lastly, she was what? An instrument of peace. Being a mom is a tough assignment, no doubt. Remember seeing this internet blog. The title of it was The Musings of a Juggling Mother. (laughs) And the subtitle was even better. It said Rants and Raves About Life. As a woman today, juggling work, home, kids, family, life, the universe, everything. That's the life of a mom. I mean, perhaps you feel that way this morning, moms. And the last thing you need is another set of responsibilities to juggle. See, a mother, a woman, a man who rises to the challenges in life is not someone who can successfully juggle everything. That's not what makes you successful. In God's eyes, what makes you successful in God's eyes is someone who has good, godly character. You're doing things that please the Lord. Well, I would encourage you as we close off our service today to take a few moments to thank God for the influence of your mother, good or bad, whether she's still here on this earth or she's gone on before us, and to look at the character of your own life And if you have these qualities and which ones you need to work on, which which ones you need to trust God to work out in your life. And pray that you'll keep on growing. You'll keep on rising to the challenge of life and and motherhood. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for our moms. Lord, we've all had one sooner or later. And Lord, we pray that you would just... uh, cause us to be thankful for their influence on in our lives. Maybe not everybody's mom was influential in a good way. But Lord, we pray that you would help us to trust you in this life, to grow us into the, the mom and the, the woman that you want us to be, the man that you want us to be. Lord, I pray that as we follow Christ, that you would do your work in our hearts and our lives to make us more like him each and every day that we would possess the qualities that we saw in Deborah's life in our own. Father, give us compassion and love for those around us who maybe don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Maybe they haven't trusted you yet. I pray that you would cause them to cry out for repentance, cause them to cry out for forgiveness. Lord, save them. Draw them to yourself as only you can. And as believers, I pray that we would be good testimonies and good witnesses to those around us, to our families, to our children. And Lord, we thank you for the moms. We thank you for their influence. And we pray that you would give them not only the wisdom, but the strength to get through another day by your grace. If you're listening to this message and you've yet to put your faith, your trust in Christ, I pray that you would even now even now, in the quietness of this moment, cry out to God, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Just acknowledge that you are a sinner before God. You're a sinner, God's holy, but you're gonna put your faith, your trust in Christ who died on the cross for your sins. He not only died on the cross, but he was buried, and the Bible says that he rose on the third day, victorious over sin and death. So you're putting your trust in your faith in one who became victorious over sin and death. And he can secure victory for you as well. So I pray that you would cry out to him, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. If you pray that prayer from a sincere heart, I know without a doubt that he will answer you. He will save you. He will transform your heart. He will give you the faith you need to believe in him. Lord, we thank you for this day. Pray you'd bless it. In Jesus' precious name, Amen. Come on, sweetie. Oh, honey, you've got you've got something on your face, Mom. There you go, Jake. Good job, buddy. You got this, Ghost Slugger. Yeah! Mom. Did you brush your teeth? Did you really brush your teeth? Let me smell your breath, Mom. Jake, honey, this is the only thing I can find, all right? Yeah, it's a compound fracture. I'm sorry, sweetheart. You're gonna be okay. Mom? Well, you have a good set of crutches? Seriously, Jake, what am I going to do with you? Mom. Hi, Jake. Hi. Ooh, she's really cute. Mom. Mom? Not a chance. I left all that behind. Mom. Jake, set up straight, honey. Mom. something on your face. Mom.